Hey everyone, I am Ashley Bullington and this is The Campfire. It's our weekly summer high school football show where we go around the greater Houston area and preview everything you need to know about the upcoming season. Because it's never too early for football, right? Today, we take a look at private schools. Let's start things off by taking a glance at some of those teams in our film session. It wasn't the best of endings to the TAPS Division I football season in the Houston area last year. All four area teams went winless in the postseason. However, St. Thomas did go 7-2 and finished second in District 2. They also returned some solid pieces to that team that should help them continue their successful program. St. Pius X went 5-6 on the year, but 2-4 in district play. The Panthers returned two-way player Aiden Allen and wide receiver Jackson Mobley to help improve on that record. Concordia Lutheran finished under 500 in the season, but 4-2 in district play. Second Baptist had a terrific year at 11-2, but finished second overall and will look to gain a state title this year. Cypress Christian will try to defend their Division III state title, while Emory Weiner will look to repeat as a six-man champion. In the SPC, the Kincaid Falcons won the state championship. After losing to Episcopal School of Dallas in the regular season, they met them again in the championship and won handedly. Dylan Bell has graduated and is at Georgia, but returning is his younger brother, Micah, who should get the attention of opposing coaches for sure. St. John's finished third in the SBC standing, so look for them to improve on that while Bel Air Episcopal and Houston Christian try to improve on disappointing seasons. Looks like we got some teams looking to repeat as state champions this year, but let's dig even deeper into the private school ranks with the Houston Chronicle reporter John Poorman and producer Ward Fasold in our district breakdown. All right, district breakdown time, and we are here with John Foreman from the Houston Chronicle. We're talking private schools, John, and last year our TAPS teams didn't have the greatest of uh, greatest of times. They all, none of them picked up, at least in the highest division, none of them picked up a win in, in the uh, in the playoffs. They all they all lost in the first round. But what do you think they, uh, is going on for this year as far as what uh, teams like St. Thomas and them are looking like? Yeah, it's, uh, you know, there were some smaller school, uh, private schools, Emory Weiner and Cypress Christian both came away with state championships. You know, you look at, you know, the larger schools, though, Second Baptist made it to the, the state championship game. Uh, they beat uh, uh, Fort Bend uh, Christian Academy in the semifinals. So, you know, I, I'm really looking to see what Fort Bend Christian can do this year. They have um, a lot of firepower coming back, led by quarterback uh, Brady Dever, who has just been, you know, putting up some some crazy video game stats. And then, you know, he has his top wide receiver presumably coming back as well. Uh, you know, another two uh, B senior and, and Brian Domino. So those two, that connection is really going to lead the way for their offense. Um, I know that they're probably hungry to to get back deep in the playoffs after coming up short last year in the semifinals, but it'll be interesting to see how that, how, uh, how they can kind of navigate the season. You know, I, I like what they've got um, offensively though, for sure. Yeah, they most certainly have some firepower on that, on that, on that side of the ball. Uh, let's talk a little SPC action. Um, we got Kincaid School that they, they went up to Dallas and they lost to EST in the regular season, but 
they must have done some uh, film research because they went up there and, and, and stuck their foot in it in the championship game, winning by three, four scores. What do you think about uh, SPC and Ken Kincaid repeat? Yeah, I mean, Ken, Kincaid going in the next season is going to be the team to beat. Um, you know, it, it was really uh, interesting to see, like you mentioned, uh, you know, that SBC championship game being a rematch. And, you know, for whatever reason, it was, it wasn't even that, I think it was like maybe a month before they had played that same, that same team and, and gotten beaten pretty good, I believe. And, and then they came back and, and won it all. I think that's a testament to their coaching staff there. Obviously, you know, they're going to have their guys ready to play. Obviously, Kincaid has a, a, a long history of success in the SBC and, and, competing extremely well um you know as we've talked about before you know a player to watch coming back michael bell um his brother dylan uh, you know was our all greater houston uh private school offensive player of the year michael bell is, is a guy that can do it all he, he's going to be a senior this coming year he's got all these division one offers from from the major schools and uh you know he's being recruited as a cornerback but also you know he was a 1000 yard rusher last year I'm really interested to see, you know, kind of what they do with them, game in and game out. You know, he's he's the ultimate weapon, I think. So Kincaid, yeah, I mean, they're the, they're going to be the team to beat uh, in the SBC for sure. Yeah, Mike is the kind of kid you you got to you pretty much have to play him on both sides of the ball because his speed is unmatched, and on yeah. defense he's probably not going to get worn out because they put him out there, and I. I guarantee nobody's going to throw his direction so he probably you know he won't get too tired on defense he may get tired running back 100 yard kickoff returns so that may tire him out a little bit but it, it should be pretty interesting for sure yeah I mean he's just a playmaker you know you put him back there in the secondary like you said maybe nobody will throw his way but if they do you know he has a knack for getting his hands on the ball so you know it, it'll be interesting I mean you know when you look at the SPC also you know you think about you know, Kincaid's kind of rival there, Episcopal. They had a little bit of a down year, but they played a really, really tough schedule. I mean, they were playing some of the top teams in the state. They played some, I think they played some, uh, some, some 4A schools as well, some tough 4A schools, uh, UIL 4A schools. And, you know, so I, I would expect them to kind of rebound. I think that, you know, that's a, that's a program that always has talent. The school always has talent. They're always going to kind of be in the mix. And then, you know, the John Cooper School as well uh, in SBC 3A, you know, they just won their first uh, conference championship this past year. Um, Coach Eric DeHaven has, has done an outstanding job taking over that program the last few years. And, you know, I would expect the Dragons to be in the mix as well. You know, they they seem to always try to kind of find a way to, to compete really well there and, and uh, year in and year out. And, you know, when I first got down to Houston, they barely, you know, they had just started their football program. So it's cool to see, you know, where they, you know, how far they've come in just, you know, about 10 years. Yeah, it's, it's you talk about having a, they're playing a tough schedule in the non-district. I mean, you and SPC more than probably UIL and TAPS, you pretty much have to because, you don't have to finish in the top four. You got to finish in the top two because the championship is the next day. So you got to find out what you got as soon as possible. If you're if you're a serious contender. Now, if you're not a serious contender, then you can play whoever you want and, and try to get some stats and some wins. But the ones who really want to compete, they got to figure out what's going on right away because you got to finish in the top two or you're not in a championship game. Yeah, I mean that's kind of the cool thing about the SPC. It's a little different, you know, with with not as many teams, and you got the two divisions. I mean, it's kind of like college football. Like the regular season is like re what really matters. So that makes it exciting for those teams and those players for sure. Yeah, 
we'll see how it plays out. I know we got several months before we have to wait for that, but it's always nice to talk football with you, John, and we will we'll talk to you next week about the lower classifications. Sounds good. We've heard about the teams. Now let's take a look at some of the players to watch in our Players on the Rise. At the Kincaid School, it used to be the Bell Brothers show, but Dylan is off to the University of Georgia. It's just Micah now. The speedy cornerback plays both ways for the Falcons, but will be a defensive back in the college ranks. Bell also is a dangerous return man because of that blazing speed. He runs a consistent 10-4-5 in the 100 meter and uses that speed to stay in your face while he's in coverage. Micah has big time offers from D1 schools like Texas and Tennessee, but just recently picked up an offer from Notre Dame. At St. Thomas, junior Johan Cardenas is a load to bring down in the backfield. Last year, he ran for just under a thousand yards and nine touchdowns as a sophomore. He's a strong, quick back who benched 345 pounds as well as runs a 11.37 in the 100 meters. Cardenas also is used a lot in the passing game. Defensively, Aiden Allen is trouble on the St. Pius line. Allen is six foot three and a strong defensive end off the edge. He can drive his blockers back into the pocket, which allows him to get to the quarterback. Probably why Aiden led the team with seven sacks and scooped up two fumbles last year. Allen is also a problem in the running game as he has a nose for the ball carrier. St. Thomas has a game changer at the linebacker position in senior Zach Rocha. When he's asked to blitz, Rocha is on the quarterback before he knows it, as Zach picked up a couple of sacks last year. But he can also drop back in coverage and make it difficult for the opponent's passing game. Rocha finished last year with 44 tackles, and 14 of those were for losses. That Micah Bell of Kincaid is going to be a problem in the SBC this year. And speaking of Kincaid, our Ward Fasold caught up with Falcons head coach Nathan Larnett to talk about a possible repeat and much, much more in our Media Day segment. All right, Media Day, we are talking uh, private schools here in the Houston area, and I am pleased to be joined with the Kincaid High School head coach, uh, Nathan Larnett. Coach, first of all, uh, I suppose you got a championship ring on that finger. So I, 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 I congratulate you on, on last year's championship. And what did that kind of mean for you and your program? It meant a lot. Um, you know, we knew we had, we lost, you know, 24, 25 seniors the year before that COVID year that we went undefeated. And um, so we knew we had a lot of holes to fill. Uh, we knew we had some top end talent, you know, that everybody kind of thought that, you know, okay, well then they should be really good. But we, I mean, we're looking at it, you know, like coaches do and saw that there was a, a lot of issues. And so fortunately we had a really strong sophomore class that jumped up there and helped us. Uh, and they were um, and very fortunate for us. Some of them were ready to play right away. Um, and so that they were able to get in there, get that experience, understand varsity football. And then by the time we got the conference, uh, they were more a part of the system, not just being good athletes on a football field. Uh, they understood their role, and uh, that kind of helped us start to really start to gel. The young guys grew up and uh, started putting it together at the right time. 
last year you guys went nine and two and you came up to DFW and played Episcopal school and, and, and lost to him by 10. I was actually there shooting that game. Yeah. Uh, what did you learn? What did you learn from that game? Because when you ended up playing them in the playoffs, I mean, it was almost a no contest that you got them by a couple, two, three scores. So what did you learn from the first outing you used in the championship? Uh, number one, get number six the ball. <laughs> Uh, I think I looked at the stats after the game up in Dallas, and I think Dylan Bell had touched the ball maybe four or five times. Uh, you know, and Cam Henry was coming off of a foot injury, uh, so uh, we didn't do a good enough job. We did. Bottom line, we just didn't do a good enough job getting the playmakers the football, and then we didn't have a good plan for getting off the field on third down. Uh, you know, and I. Uh, their quarterback was a very good athlete, and you know he he got hurt in that championship game, which you know we all know helped us out, on, especially on defense, uh, because he created so much with his legs, um, and we get to deal with him again this year. But um, <clears throat> so you know, up in Dallas, we just couldn't get off the field. We would be holding them. We'd we'd get them to third and eight, third and six, and all of a sudden he'd make a play or some one of their receivers would make a good play. They just had a bunch of good athletes and they just found ways to keep keep the ball in there on on uh, keep the football on offense. End of the day, bottom line, get the playmakers the football. You know, don't be a dummy as a coach like I probably was up in Dallas. Um, and then get off the field on third and fourth down. You know, those are the two big differences. You mentioned the playmakers. We we had a chance to do a story with the, with the Bell brothers yet uh, last year for our show and. Great kids, love talking to them, and you certainly got Dylan the ball that 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 championship game. Boy, did he go off! But you don't have that luxury this year. But you do have Micah coming back, and I have a feeling all eyes are going to be on him. He's one of the faster athletes, not only in the private school ranks, but in all the state of Texas. Talk a little bit about how you might be able to use Micah this year. Uh, I'm assuming I. Hell, he ran a kickoff return right at me last year, so I'm, I know you probably used him in the return game, but he's. Yeah. A, big-time quarterback, we, we see him on offense, will we see him everywhere? Yeah, I think so. That that, that, that would be our challenge um, is to, you know, kind of like we did with Dylan, is to find ways to find uh, get Micah the ball in space as many ways as possible to where you can't load the box or you can't bracket him in the, when he splits out. Uh, I think that's something that we haven't shown yet uh, that we'd probably like to do more is getting him out of the, out of the backfield and using his speed down the field. Uh, and we have a couple other guys that we think can help us with that as well. Uh, so it's gonna come down to how good are the guys around him. You know, we've got only one other receiver that's a returning starter, but we got some young guys that got some experience that we're hoping can take that next step. And if they're productive and our quarterback is doing his job, then that's gonna make Mike a whole lot better and easier for us to game plan with him. And then defensively, he's kind of our eraser on one side where it's like, all right, hey, you know, we got to use him on offense because he's the most explosive guy we have. But then, you know, defensively, we know we can kind of put him over there and eliminate a guy. Uh, and then he's also smart enough to do, you know, to, to do some stuff with coverage-wise where we don't have to just man him up uh, and use his athleticism to go take away space as well. Because uh, that's, that's scary. Like, when you see him locked up man-to-man, -man, you're kind of like, okay, well, that's gone. But when you see him standing in space and know that he can break on a ball, that takes away more of a side of a field. So it's kind of like, you know, we got we to gotta be smart and mix them up with that. Um, but it's really going to come down to, you know, does our quarterback take the next step? We think it will. And then how, do these other guys that were sophomores that were good contributors but didn't have to step up and make the big-time plays, 
are they capable of doing that now and filling that void that's left by Dylan and Cam and Alex and all those guys? Let's talk a little bit about the, the SPC this year. Uh, what are you looking for through, through the other teams? I know ESD is probably going to be just as competitive, but how are you going to look to survey through that, uh, through that conference? Yeah, I think it just gets tougher, right? So you've got ESD with 22-plus returning seniors next year, including, you know, the best quarterback in the conference, um, you know, the best tight end in the conference. Uh, they, I mean, they've got – they're going to have to, you know, fill some holes on that D-line, but I imagine that they've always found a way to get guys that can do that. Um, so we just – we know what we're going to get with those guys. It's, it's going to be – they're going to be at the top. Episcopal is always just going to be bigger, faster, stronger. Um, you know, they had, they had to play a lot of young guys this past year. And, you know, so we know that they're going to be better. Um, and, uh, you know, St. John's, you know, they, they took us to the brim last year and they they were young, you know, they've got to replace their quarterback, but they've got a good young quarterback that's going to jump in there and take that for them. And then they've got a couple dynamic playmakers that are young, that are, uh, you know, going to be another year older and that much better. Um, probably, you know, one of, if not the best player in the league as a sophomore. Um, and then you got St. Mark's who they've got a new head coach last year and he did a tremendous job. Uh, and you can just kind of see that shift in culture and see how much more disciplined they are and how much more fun they have playing football. Like their offense is more explosive. It's creative. Uh, so just the league across the board at the 4A level is just going to be tougher. Uh, you know, there's no there's no game where you go out there and you're like, all right, hey, we're going to be able to get some backups in this game. It's every single game is going to have to, you know, you're going to have to be, bring your best. I guess finally, SPC, obviously, you know this, but it's a lot different from UIL and TAPS where you have to get honed in on what your team is doing right away. It's not like you're grabbing, going for the top four spots. you got to get them top two. And your championship game is right after the season's end. So how important is it for you to schedule uh, competitive non-conference games and, and get your team, you know, we got to get dialed in because we're not going for top four, we're going for top two. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head. We got to schedule people that are going to tell us the truth about ourselves. You know, it, we're, not, we're not scheduling people to get wins or get stats. We got to put people out there that when we watch the – or play people out there that when we watch the film, it's legitimate feedback. So we're playing good athletes with good schemes uh, that instead of, you know, like kids make a play like, oh, I did really well. Well, no, you didn't. You didn't shuffle your feet here. Or, you know, you played high or whatever it is. You kind of you got away with some stuff. But when you're playing good football teams like Little Cypress, Morrisville, we're going to open up with Jasper. We're going out to New Orleans to play Archbishop Shaw, uh, St. Thomas, Second Madison. When you're playing these teams in non-conference, they tell you the truth about yourself, which is good. So now come back, get that feedback. We don't we obviously want to win when you go in a competitive environment, but we build our schedule to make us better and get ready for conference. Um, and like I said, to tell the truth about ourselves. So when we get to conference, we should know who we are and what, and you know, what we're about, uh, you know, and then you get in there and those guys have got six, seven games of film on you and they kind of tell you some more truths about yourself. Uh, you know, so that's the fun part about it, but yeah, you got to be ready to go. And I think in the past, You've always had a game or two in there to where if you slip up, you go, okay, hey, let's find a couple of games to get ourselves together before we play another big opponent. I don't think you can do that this year. I think this year, every single team is going to be competitive. Uh, so if you slip up, you know, you're playing for your playoff life the next game right out the gate. Well, good luck, Coach. I appreciate you joining us today. Uh, good luck on that going back to back. And uh, we look forward to seeing some of your games next year. Thank you, sir. Appreciate you. 
looks like the Falcons are ready to make another run. That's going to do it for this week's show. Be sure to join us next week as we take a look at the Houston area small schools. Something tells me that you'll be seeing a lot of El Campo's Ruben Owens on that show. You can keep up with everything on the high school football scene on our Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram accounts. Until next time, I'm Ashley Bullington, and thank you so much for watching Campfire.